0: Welcome to the Beyond Sunday Podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Sunday Podcast. I'm Jordan Upton, the Director of Broadcast and Media Outreach here at First Baptist, and with me as always is Pastor
1: Jeff Reynolds. Jeff, how are you doing? Doing great. We're just coming off of Thanksgiving, and you've done some traveling. Yes, sir. Did you guys have a good Thanksgiving? We did, yep. I saw my wife's
0: family in Texas. We had a wonderful, wonderful time. How was your Thanksgiving?
1: That was good. We we had a kind of a low-key Thanksgiving, had one major gathering, and my wife's cousin not only smoked a turkey, which was really good, but he smoked a brisket, and mm. it was some of the best brisket I've had in my life. It was really, really good. So didn't overdo it. Uh, Might have done a little extra running just to stay ahead of the calorie count there, but um, we had a good time. And I'll tell you, it's interesting to have that four-day period, and obviously we, we all work on Sundays, mm-hmm. um, so it was a three-day period, but to, to just all day Friday, I was like, oh, tomorrow's Sunday, it's coming, it's coming, and it wasn't. It was Saturday, and I was like, ah, take a deep breath and relax, and so anyway, um, it was really good. Good, good.
0: All right, well, I'm excited to dive into the first week of Advent content here. We're looking at Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So stepping back for a second, let's talk about Advent more in general. What What is Advent, Jeff?
1: Yeah, so Advent is a season of preparation for the coming of Christmas. But really, when you go back to the beginnings of Advent, And the earliest record of Advent that we have is really around the 5th century. Um, It was a six-week period leading up to Epiphany. And so if you think about Lent uh, before Holy Week and Good Friday and Easter Sunday, Advent is very similarly a time of preparation. And really, as we think about Advent today, we think about preparation um, for the coming of Messiah, the birth of Jesus, the baby in Bethlehem so many years ago. But really, uh, Advent has a dual focus. It looks forward to the second coming of Christ, and it looks backward to the first coming of Christ and welcomes us into this this in-between time when uh, we who have the light of Christ in our world and in our lives Look forward to that day when he shall return and all will be made well. And so Advent really has a dual focus. Uh, my friend Mark Brown, Dr. Mark Brown, who just defended his dissertation for his second doctorate. He now has a Ph.D. from Southern Seminary, uh, and he he's a professor at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and he grew up right here at First Baptist Church. Yeah. And anytime he's in town visiting family, he'll throw on a choir robe and sing with us, and he's just phenomenal. But he wrote uh, a piece many years ago that I think is very helpful. He says, Advent is the beginning of the Christian year, a period of four weeks preceding Christmas Day. The observance of Advent can be dated to the 5th century. At that time, Advent was primarily set aside to fast and spiritually prepare for baptisms that would occur on January 6th as part of Epiphany. In this context, Advent lasted six weeks, similar to Lent, but changed to a four-week period after it became connected with Jesus' birth. The word Advent means coming or arrival, and though we may be tempted to use Advent as a reason to dwell on the joys of Christ's birth for four weeks, Advent is actually meant to focus on Christ's return. Mark, I think, very helpfully tells us what Advent is all about. Uh, the word Advent comes from the Latin adventus, which means coming or arrival. And it's a time of preparation. You might notice that on many Sundays of Advent, I wear a purple tie. That's intentional. You might notice that the candles that we light, three of them are purple. One of them is pink. We'll talk about that later. Um, But the liturgical color of Advent is the same as the liturgical color of Lent. It's purple. Uh, Purple speaks to the royalty of Jesus, um, but it also speaks to a time of preparation, a time of penitence where we we fast and focus on um, areas in our lives where uh, sin still might have a hold. And um, just really preparing ourselves to celebrate the coming of Christ. You know, the incarnation separates Christianity from just about every other religion in the world because God has come to us. Every other religion says, do your best to make up the distance between you and whatever deity they believe in, right? Um, so live a good life, do good works, give alms, do sorts of things that will, that will make up for your wrongdoing, Christianity is different because in Christianity, what we celebrate is though we were separated from God, it is not we who seek to bridge that distance. It is God who bridged that distance to come to us by sending his only son.
0: I love all these details. Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm geeking out right now. So, so tell us about the pink candle. Why is there a pink candle? Okay,
1: so let's talk about the Advent wreath. Every Sunday at First Baptist Church during the during the season of Advent, we have a family or an individual light the Advent wreath. Advent wreath goes back to the mid 19th century, uh, and it was first done in Germany. Um, but so it's an evergreen wreath that is that is important. Uh, that's symbolic of of the eternity, the eternality of Almighty God. There's never a time when He is not. And then the circle reminds us of God's unending love and eternal life that He makes possible. So on the Advent wreath, you have five candles, one in the center. That is the white candle. That is the Christ candle that will be lit on Christmas Eve, and that's always a special night when you see the the Advent wreath fully illuminated. In fact, Elliot's dad David Beckley captured a picture of the Advent wreath a few Christmas Eves ago, and it is one of my favorite pictures. And it's just a wreath with candles lit, Mm -hmm. but it is amazing to me, and I love that picture. So, Elliot, thank your dad for that picture. Um, So there's three purple candles. Obviously, the liturgical color of Advent is purple, but what about the pink candle? Well, it's not pink. It's actually rose, and it comes from the third Sunday of Advent, which is known as Gaudete, Sunday. Uh, Gaudite is Latin for rejoice. And honestly, it came from something very mundane that in this period of fasting, that is Advent, um, the third Sunday is the halfway point. <laughs> and so it was rejoice. You're almost through this period of fasting and preparation. So that's why it's pink. Uh, I'll wear a pink tie that day. Um, my little girl, uh, we have our advent wreath at home and she always gets to light the pink candle. And what's really important about that um, in terms of our family is as we were having our, our advent wreath at home devotion uh, a couple years ago we talked about the joy of the Lord and the joy of Christ overcoming our sin. And she understood the gospel for the first time. Like she heard it and understood it, but like it sank in and she realized that she was a sinner in need of a savior. And that night while we were celebrating our family advent wreath devotion, she came to Jesus. Mm. And so it's just the pink candle is very special for, for a lot of reasons. Um, but that is that is why it is Gaudete Sunday. You're halfway through um, the celebration of Advent. So,
0: as a guy who loves tradition, loves religious tradition, I'm all about hearing all of these details about Gaudete Sunday and uh-huh. you know the candles and what they signify and the wreath and you know that there's very much a meaning and intentionality behind everything. Do you have any thoughts on tradition, just on the importance of tradition and, and the importance of Detail and what that adds to our our religious life.
1: Yeah, I really do, and and I'm so thankful you asked that question. We hadn't talked about that question, but if you notice at Christmas time, everybody wants that tradition. It's yeah. like Christmas is an opportunity for us to become grounded again, and Christmas is a time when life should just at least calm down for a moment. A couple years ago. Uh, there was a bombing in Nashville that interrupted not only a lot of people's lives, but it interrupted cell service in our area. And, and I think we were all so remarkably offended that someone would violate the one day a year, or just just give us a day where we can celebrate, we can be human, we we don't have to deal with these sorts of things. And so it was such a violation when that happened, certainly for the families who were affected, no doubt. But but how could you be that wicked mm-hmm. to desecrate Christmas? And when you think about Christmas, um, you think about all the, the Christmases gone by, and you think about how God has been faithful through it all. You know, there's a reason that I wear my, my robe two times a year, one on Good Friday and one on Christmas Eve. That's because I grew up in a tradition where the preacher wore a robe. preacher honestly wore a robe every Sunday when I was growing up. Uh, in my tradition, but it was special on those occasions because it was like this is a marker of something that is that is very special, and it comes around every year, and it's a reminder that God has come to us. And so I think that uh, I love the way our sanctuary looks, the way our facility looks, and all the people who work so diligently to make it so beautiful. I tell them that they are helping us worship Jesus through the aesthetic, that they create using their gifts and talents and abilities and resources. And it's just an amazing thing. So, um, yeah, I think it's very important. And, and I'll tell you, (laughs) uh, I can appreciate any type of worship music or any, I absolutely can appreciate all those things, but so many people, myself included, um, you know, we don't want to sing the new Christmas song. <laughs> we, we, want to, we want to sing Silent Night yeah. that is as old as this church. We want to sing, you know, all the great carols and all the great hymns that remind us. Now, I'm not opposed to adding in new things. Don't hear me saying that. But I think that there's something in us that yearns for the yearly reminder that God has come near.
0: Yeah, it makes me think of how Isaac— uh not my son, the patriarch of Christ. Oh, the other one. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's like how, you know, Abraham was uh, walking through the land of Israel and he would dig wells and Isaac would go to these same wells and, you know, dig them back up again and n- keep the name the same. Yeah. It's like he was going to these same places and going to these same uh, holy sites to. Walked the same path that his father had walked. Mm. Um, And I wish I could say I came up with that idea. I I heard that from Pastor Lancaster, not from myself. So uh, I I just love that image, though, right? Like it's like, you know, walking through these uh, holy cycles through the year, you Mm. are reminded of the important things and reminded of God and what he's trying to teach us through these moments. Well, and
1: there's another thing where we kind of force ourselves to pause. Yeah. And, you know, if you're anything like me, that can be difficult. We're on to the next thing constantly, and Advent reminds us, and it, it's a jolt to me every year. We get through the busyness of Thanksgiving, Black Friday comes, where today, I think, as we're recording this, is Cyber Monday, right. um, so the busyness of preparing, but then we come together on Sunday morning, and the sanctuary looks different, and there's a there's a wreath on stage, there's a special candle being illuminated. It's just different, and it causes us to pause and remember God has been faithful, and he will be faithful forevermore, and it's nice to remember that sometimes.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about the hope
1: candle. Why Why do we start the Advent candle uh, procession with hope? The first candle obviously symbolizes hope, and it's, it's called the prophet's candle. And uh, the prophets of the Old Testament, especially Isaiah— waited in hope for Messiah's arrival. And so we remember in Isaiah chapter 9 uh, that Isaiah prophesied, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And so it's the idea that all the prophets of the Old Testament were hopeful for the coming of Messiah. And Messiah has come in the person of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Messiah will come. You know, there's a reason that the Bible ends with a call, come Lord Jesus. And that just resonates with my soul. I know it resonates with so many of our listeners' souls. You know, this world is in rough shape. Come, Lord Jesus. Um, So we look forward, as the prophets look forward to the first coming of Messiah, so we look forward to the second coming of Messiah, and all of our hope is bound up in the reality that he will return and he will make all things right.
0: And that takes us right into our listener question for today. Listeners, if you have a question, just go to the link in the description or comment on the post below. So, Jeff, can you explain the virgin birth? How do Joseph and Mary fit in if Jesus is the Son of God?
1: That is a great question, and, and I'll say that the virgin birth is central. You know, there are people who say, oh, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in the virgin birth. Well, if you don't believe in a virgin birth, how in the world do you believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus? And the Bible says if you don't believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus, there's no point in being a Christian. If Jesus is still in the tomb, if we could find his bones, if we just knew where to look, then all of this is garbage and useless, and we should go eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, and That's it. Um, So I absolutely affirm the virgin birth, really, in in telling the story of the Incarnation, that God has become flesh. That is central to the Christian faith. Um, Tim Keller in the New City Catechism asked the question, Why must the Redeemer be truly human? And the answer is that in human nature, he might, on our behalf, perfectly obey the whole law and suffer the punishment for human sin and also that he might sympathize with us in our weaknesses. You know, the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 2 verses 17 through 18 that he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So, I answer about the virgin birth in talking first about the incarnation because it's all tied together. But think about the virgin birth. It is vitally important, and theologian Wayne Grudem kind of characterizes three areas of importance about the virgin birth. First is this. The virgin birth shows that salvation ultimately must come from the Lord. Jesus was born by the will of God, not by the will of of Joseph or the will of Mary. Um, God moved first to redeem us. And so we see that salvation is initiated by God's move, even in the virgin birth of Jesus. Secondly, the virgin birth, Grudem says, made possible the uniting of full deity and full humanity in one person. This was the means that God used to send his son into the world as a man. So you have Jesus who is fully God and also fully man. And then Grudem goes here, and this is where it gets a little technical, but this is very important. He says, The virgin birth also makes possible Christ's true humanity without inherited sin. All human beings have inherited legal guilt and a corrupt moral nature from their first father, adam but the fact that jesus did not have a human father means that the line of descent from adam is partially interrupted jesus did not descend from adam in exactly the same way in which every other human being has descended from adam this helps us understand why the legal guilt and moral corruption that belongs to all other human beings did not belong to christ and so here's the idea we all inherit guilt and corruption from adam's sin the fall affected everybody But here's what's very interesting. Jesus, though he came from Mary, uh, did not come from Adam through Joseph. So that interrupts that line of inherited guilt and moral corruption because Jesus was absolutely perfect and without sin. So the virgin birth is really essential to the faith. And again, I would say this, if you you struggle to believe the virgin birth, then you got to struggle with the rest of it. Because if Jesus couldn't be born of a virgin, then how could he be crucified on my behalf? And how could he be raised from the dead the third day? and How could he ascend bodily into heaven? and How could he one day descend bodily from heaven to gather his people and judge the earth? If you can't buy the virgin birth, then the rest of it's pretty, pretty impossible to buy too. So it all goes together, and it's all vitally important.
0: So, Jeff, I'm looking forward to our future weeks of Advent together. Do you mind praying us out for today?
1: Let's do it. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much that you so loved us that you gave your only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We're thankful for the everlasting hope that we have, that this world is not all there is, but you, our transcendent God, have come to us. And not only have you come to us, you've come for us that through Jesus we are rescued, we are forgiven, we are transformed from sinners into saints, and we are adopted by your grace into your family, to be called your children, to be held in your hand, never to be abandoned by you, never to be left as orphans, but Lord, you are our good, good Father. And so this Advent season, we pause, and we pray that in the pause, we would see you more clearly than ever before. Uh, You would continue to draw us nearer, make us more like Jesus, whose birth we celebrate and whose second coming we look forward to. We love you, we trust you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel. To submit a question about Sunday's sermon, the Bible, or walking with Jesus, click the link in the episode description. Our hosts today are Pastor Jeff Reynolds and myself, Jordan Upton. Our engineer is Elliot Beckley.